0: Welcome to the pulpit ministry of Christ Community Church in South Florida, aiming to make, mature, and multiply disciples by preaching and teaching God's word based on the sufficiency of scripture. And now, let's join Pastor Bernie Diaz for the message. Good morning again, church. Good morning to our friends, guests with us today. Great to have you. Can you all hear I mean, can you really hear? Yes. All right. Open our ears, Lord. What a great song that Vern chose to sing in leading us this morning. Well, could you use some help with hearing? My wife Maddie and I, we've been noticing that our hearing is not quite what it used to be. And uh, I'm not sure exactly why that is, but it did remind me of a little story of an older couple that uh, was having this ongoing semi-serious discussion about which one of them was losing their hearing. As time went on, this became a real issue, like a battle between them. And the husband decided he was going to settle the issue once and for all. When his wife was enjoying a book in the living room, he said in a loud voice, Dear, would you like a cup of tea? Upon hearing no response, he progressed to the next room. And he said again in a firm voice, dear, would you like a cup of tea? And still no reply from the wife. And lastly, he goes into the living room, sits directly behind the chair in which the wife was sitting. And in an even louder voice, he repeated, dear, would you like a cup of tea? She turned to him with a little annoyed expression on her face. And she said, for the third time, yes. Yes. What's the moral of the story? (laughs) Sometimes we hear what we want to hear. Sometimes we don't hear what we should, right? So our text today deals with that issue in part as we see our Lord Jesus in action again in another time of mercy ministry as he's healing to give someone hearing as a gift of grace. And this account that you just heard read only happens in the Gospel of Mark, interestingly enough, in what some call the withdrawal period of his ministry or the year of opposition. Because what happened was, as you remember, he left Galilee, headquarters of ministry, where the Jews had been following him and waiting for him, investigating him, giving him and the disciples pretty rough time wherever they went. And so he's withdrawn for a little while here out of the borders of Israel ostensibly to rest there's some of that and he's also introducing he's previewing his ministry and the gospel for the first time to the gentile world which he's going to command the disciples to do with the great commission anyway so here you're going to find a few things in this little story this event a call to help there's going to be a cure of healing in hearing hearing comes about and then finally the acclaim that comes from the hearing of this man to help us better appreciate i think the gift of grace and then what we should do with this gift of grace okay so let's look at the text verse 31 there's a cry for help right from the get-go then he returned from the region of tyre he went through sidon to the sea of galilee in the region of decapolis now let's set this up why what are we doing here what is the decapolis deca means 10 so we're in a region of 10 coastal cities along the Syrophoenician coast, Syria, Phoenicia. And already the Lord had been there once before, chapter 5, when he cast out demons. And this event happened soon after he had just cast out the demon of the daughter of the Syro-Phoenician woman. So the Lord leaves Tyre, goes to Sidon. Now we should say for a moment, geographically, this is a very funky trip. Strange route to take. It would be similar, if, say, if you wanted to go from New York City to Chicago by way of Boston. It's a 120-mile walk, very circuitous route. Why does he do that? I think, the text doesn't tell us for sure, but I think the Lord is avoiding the predominant Jewish regions that had been in Galilee following him. He wants to focus again on the Gentiles. okay? And undoubtedly, another reason he took this rounded-out route deeper in the Gentile territories because he's training the 12. The 12 are going to follow him in taking the message of the gospel and the kingdom to everyone, everywhere. In fact, Matthew's uh, parallel version of this, chapter 15, I just want to point out to you, Matthew 15, 29, and 30 gives us a little more background in a little different way where it says, Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. There's actually a portion of the Sea of Galilee that connects with these Phoenician cities in the Decapolis and he went up on the mountain and sat down there so there's a mountain that he's going to and great crowds came to him listen bringing with them the lame the blind the crippled the mute and many others and they put him at his feet and he healed them so picture a coastal mountainside along the coast alright now what's going on that's the background Look at verse 32. And they brought to him a man. Now we get specific. They brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. This is interesting. A deaf person, so you know, was considered dumb, actually, in the vernacular back then. And for centuries afterwards, in fact, both Jew and Gentile, they often thought a deaf-mute was insane. Crazy. Because they couldn't communicate. Maybe it was some curse they figured might have befallen them. And that happened largely because sadly, a deaf person who had some kind of a voice, they weren't entirely mute, but they were they had a voice of some sort. They couldn't speak properly because they can't make out sounds and syllables. They can't pronounce words correctly. So it wasn't uncommon for what you have here in the text to have a speech impediment or what it says, difficulty speaking for a deaf person because hearing and speaking go together. I think that was this man. But the regular, in fact, as confirmed, the regular Greek word we get the word mute from is not used here. It's talking about speaking difficulties. But here's the big connection for you today. This man, I think, represents in some ways a typical sinner, A typical sinner. Someone like you and I who is deaf to the voice of God. And we're going to get into that. So I, in fact, one of the things I appreciate in the story, this man's friends, they fought through this crowd on the mountainside to bring this man for healing. And we also saw from chapter 5, it's not unusual in the Lord's healing for him to lay hands on someone to heal. Doesn't do that all the time. But that's what we happened here on a person that was sick. And so we go from the call here for hearing to the cure of hearing, starting in verse 33. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. That's it. That's different, isn't it? Jesus leads the deaf man away from the crowd by himself so they could be alone. Why did the Lord do these physical acts? symbols, fingers in the ears of the man, and why did he spit before touching this man's tongue? Let me mention, this is not an isolated incident. This is not the first time this happened, because in the next chapter in the town of Bethsaida, Jesus healed the blind man, and again, the miracle was preceded by his spitting. It says he spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, and in John 9, he used mud. You might remember that. But I want you to be clear here. I want you to really understand this. Jesus does not need physical props or methods to work miracles. We already saw he had just cast the demon out of a woman, a young woman, the child of a Syrophoenician woman from long distance. So he didn't need to do anything like that. One possible reason for the use of saliva, it's interesting, had to do with the culture. Jewish rabbis, several Roman writers, they thought saliva was a uh, valid treatment for blindness believe it or not, but I don't think that's the reason. The other reason is just, it's a tad bit stronger in that it was symbolic, what Jesus is doing here. He could have used spit just to communicate his intention to heal. Jesus did something completely new to catch this guy's attention because he couldn't get his attention verbally, right? He can't hear. You know what I think Jesus is doing here, it's a form of sign language. He's focusing on his ears and then his tongue. The Lord spoke to him in a language he could understand. Keep that in mind. And in fact, interestingly enough, God had done this before, something similar. He somehow touched the prophet Jeremiah's mouth centuries before this, and the father said, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Same kind of picture. And by the way, that's a real strong application for us here. And we should use, listen, whatever means appropriate that we have to reach people wherever they are with the gospel. When they're not listening and when they're not responding. Because the idea is we want to introduce them to Christ in the hopes of seeing them saved. So that might be a sign language for some of you. Maybe it's a track. We have tracks in the foyer out here. Maybe you can hand out a track. Maybe... A little apologetics ministry. You're defending your faith to someone in conversation. Maybe it's one-on-one Bible study. Letters, cards, email if necessary. Invite somebody to coffee, to dinner, lunch. You can invite them to church on Sunday as some of you do, right? This is what we call the open door. It's easy to find. Then we have a backdoor invitation. Those would be our midweek shepherd group meetings, the community group meetings, and you invite someone there. There's just different ways to try to talk to people. That's the idea. Like the Lord approached the Samaritan woman at the well one way. That made sense. And then he approached the rich young ruler another way. And then he approaches the deaf man this way. I want you to hear how Paul talks about this in this language in 1 Corinthians chapter nine in a familiar text, but you need to get it right. It starts in the middle of verse 19 where Paul said, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, That would be more like a Gentile. I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Now, a bit of explanation, because you hear that very quickly, and if you don't study that and get that right, you might think, well, you do whatever it takes to win somebody to Christ you know, mud-wrestling event at your church, uh, a circus, somebody falling out of the ceiling, magic tricks, you know, because it's all about being everything to everyone, winning everyone to Christ. No, that's not what it is. The text does not mean that Paul sinned even to fit in with sinners in preaching the gospel, and he didn't compromise truth to get people saved. We know he would never do that. What it means is that Paul... Listen closely. Removed any unnecessary obstacles, stumbling blocks, in reaching people. And that's what you have to be aware of. It takes wisdom. Now back in the text in verse 34. And looking up to heaven, he, Jesus, sighed and said to him, That is, be opened. Be opened. And here Mark again gives us, the Aramaic word spoken by the Lord, because remember, he's writing to a Greek audience. So he gives us the definition, which is good. And the Lord also said it to those within earshot, so they would know what he's doing. Now, why did the Lord look to heaven and sigh deeply, (sighs) groan? Well, one reason is we know our Lord is compassionately human. He feels for this man. And even though the man couldn't hear that sigh, Probably saw him move in a particular way. He could see the Lord's reaction to him. It's like the psalmist wrote, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And then Hebrews tells us, Our high priest, he sympathizes with our weakness, right? It can be definitely said this about Jesus He definitely feels your pain. He does. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept, even though he was about to raise Lazarus, right, in John 11, but he sees the suffering the family is going through, and the doubts, and the struggle, and he wept. I love that about our Lord. Then the Lord speaks, makes it happen, right, verse 35, and his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly, plainly, literally means normally. You're thinking, really? Yeah. I mean, it's remarkable. Instantly, the man could hear and speak perfectly well. It's not that his hearing was upgraded to like a listening device level. Let me go to Miracle Ear and get a hearing aid. It's not it. Or that his speech would improve. Like, okay, if I just get some speech therapy, this will work out. No. At one moment, in an instant, this man's hearing and speech was made perfect. And I love the way the original Greek language describes this here, expressing the emotion behind what's behind this miracle. Because in verse 32, where you have the word speech impediment, it talks about the fact of bondage. It's like a metaphor, the word for being shackled, held in chains. His tongue was shackled. And yet, in verse 35, the word is released in English, or loosened, freed, And that, metaphorically, has the idea of breaking the chains, breaking chains of speech. So the man's speech is hearing his sight, everything about him. His speech has been set free. And this is the big thing, folks. Spiritually, this kind of miracle happens every day to the elect. And I'm not talking necessarily physical, but I'm talking spiritual, right? Right? God opens your eyes and ears instantly at the moment you are reborn. And that was prophesied. I'm going to take you back to Isaiah chapter 29. In the book of Isaiah, there's the prophecy of the coming Lord, the section of the first coming, the second coming. It says in Isaiah 29, 18, In that day, this is referring to the Lord's first coming, Messiah. In that day, the deaf, listen, shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. That's double. It's not just physical. That's spiritual. So we're talking about the first coming of Messiah here. This is what we call theologically regeneration, the new birth. That's what it looks like when someone's saved. Your ears are open, your eyes can see. It's like Paul said in Ephesians 2, it's God who made us alive together with Christ. You didn't do that. God made us alive together with Christ. And in fact, the Greek word translated as opened in verse 35 here is not just physical because it can be translated to open one's mind, to cause to understand something. It was a metaphor of opening someone's soul. Give you an example, Acts 16, Lydia. She was a woman, a maker of purple goods, well-to-do. And in her conversion story, it says this, The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. I'm not a genius, but I could figure out, unless the Lord opened her heart, she couldn't hear, totally understand what he was saying before. Something happened. There was a change outside of her. Another story you might appreciate, I want you to go to Luke chapter 21 in your Bible. Luke 21. Actually, Luke 24. And we're talking about the road to Emmaus, right? Jesus is walking with two disciples, and in, in a mysterious way, he's veiled his appearance. So two guys are walking with Jesus. They don't recognize him yet. And it says in Luke 24, starting in verse 31 to 32, and their eyes were... Opened. He finally, when they sat down to eat, it says their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Now listen to verse 32. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures? You see what the Lord does? How he makes it happen? And then verse 45 of that passage. Then he opened open their minds to understand the scriptures. To open the mind is to open the ears. Folks, that's something that happened to me nearly 30 years ago, and that is something that all of you in your testimony in Christ should share. In your B.C. before Christ days, there was a time where you were hearing word the word of God somehow. I grew up in a Catholic environment, somewhat pretty agnostic parochial school. I knew the words what John 3.16 meant. I could read them. It meant absolutely nothing to me. Why? Because I had no ears to hear. I had no eyes to see. It's spiritual. It's what it means to be born again. God has to come in, as Ezekiel and Jeremiah prophesied, and change the heart from stone to flesh. Has to give it life where there was only death. That's what God does. At some point, all of you should understand or remember, not that you have to have a specific day, but there was a time in life where you remember what was dark. All of a sudden, the lights came on and you got it when it came to the gospel, right? You went from being deaf and blind to Christ and God and then almost like the spit. (laughs) You heard and saw Jesus for who he is and you cried out for him as that treasure, the pearl of great value. You cried out to him for salvation, for forgiveness, help, for life. You know what's interesting about the Greek language, too, as an aside, that word for spit, literally, it's an onomatopoeic word. It's, It sounds like what it actually is. So God has to call us to salvation. And the Lord taught us this way. More than one place, in talking to Nicodemus in John 3, he said, you must be born again. Listen, the wind which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit here, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or from where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. God in his Spirit is the one who saves. He determines when, he determines who, he determines how. And after he's opened your ears and eyes, now get this straight, It's a both and. You must repent and believe. God has put both together, none to the exclusion of the other. God saves. God calls, as you've heard in the text that was read from our BRP, and you must believe and you must repent. And guess what? Someone's got to open their tongue and speak to you because that's the way the ears of the lost get open. That's the ways and the means that God saves the process of salvation. You say, where? Really? Yeah." Is that laid out anywhere? Sure. Romans chapter ten. Go to Romans chapter ten with me. Familiar text, and you should have these verses sidelined, marked, underlined, what have you. Romans ten fourteen. It's very familiar. Paul's preaching that both Jew and Gentile, everyone is to be saved. Now he tells us how. How then will they call on him, meaning Jesus, in whom they have not believed? So you believe, then you call on him. Okay. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never what? Heard. And how are they to hear without someone what? Preaching. Someone preaching. He didn't say a pastor preaching. That's part of it someone preaching. Paul's writing to the church, the members of the church at Rome. He hadn't seen yet. So this message is going out to all of you here. You're all to be preaching. And how are they to preach, verse 15 says, unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the good news. This is God's plan to save people, if you ever wondered. This is part of the process. Verse 17 in that chapter says, so faith comes from what? Hearing And hearing through the word of Christ. Hearing is not referring to the audible sound. That's not the main definition of the word. Hearing means understanding, getting it, getting the message. So it sinks into the heart. It's already presupposed that you're going to hear it audibly. Got to hear it. And in terms of healing... Again, God uses more often than not the prayers of the church, the gifts of service to help and to heal people. Now, I want you to see the reaction, finally, to the cure for this hearing. It's really interesting. This is what I call the acclaim from the hearing, like the adulation, the worship even that comes. Back in our text, Mark 7, verse 36. And Jesus charged them, to tell no one but the more he charged them the more zealously they proclaimed it and they were astonished beyond measure saying he has done all things well he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak so get this the Lord charges or commands literally means he orders the people to not say a word about what had happened and literally the tense of the word is keep commanding he had to say it more than once be quiet be quiet don't say anything He reversed the song, Don't tell it on the mountain. And that's ironic because he's telling a man who can speak clearly for the first time in years and his friends who witnessed this miracle, he's telling them, Be quiet. Shut up. That's why the New Living Translation renders it this way. The more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. (laughs) And it spread wide because in fact they preached that word proclaim in the Greek has the idea of preaching again, like Paul said. They preached what happened. And so I, I think we can sympathize with this man and his friends, right? I mean, they disobeyed the Lord. It was sin, okay, but come on. The guy miraculously gets hearing in sight in a moment. He's not going to tell people? Now, you might be, if you're following along, you might be thinking, why did the Lord have the healed demoniac of Gadara? Chapter 5 spread the word of what that healing took place in that Gentile area, but not here. I'll tell you this. Earlier, remember, that man was appointed by the Lord almost to be an overnight missionary to a place where Christ and his kingdom message had not yet been. By this point in chapter 7, the message had been there it has been circulating. People have been talking about this event. What happened with the Lord and the demoniac has traveled through the region. And so what Jesus is doing again is looking to control the crowds. He's looking to control expectations. Some call this the messianic secret. Because remember John's account of the first feeding of the thousands, which was not long before this? That massive crowd wanted to carry him off and make him a king. And the Lord wasn't having that. It wasn't his timetable. That's not the time for him to be earthly king. It will be in his second coming. Also, he doesn't want to be seen as just a miracle worker either. He dealt with that way back in Jerusalem in John 2, in his first time at the temple. He knew people, a lot of the crowd was just, show us what you can do, man. You're amazing. You're wondrous. Give us more of that. Now, the miracles that he did, folks, remember, were precursors to his message was always about gospel preaching for Jesus. The message is the main thing. He wants people literally to hear the message of the kingdom and the gospel. We're in the new covenant age. We're in the gospel church age where the Lord doesn't want us to be quiet anymore. Quite the opposite. He wants us to spread the good news about him and the kingdom and we are to tell everyone that we have opportunity to tell about him and the truth. Amen? We've talked about this before some people have the gift of evangelism but evangelism for christians is a command for everyone it's not an option just some have happen to be gifted in doing it better than others well we let the lord take care of the results as only he can some are going to react well some are going to want more that you preach to others are going to want less see the hand they're going to tell you to shut up and that's okay What was the reaction to the Lord's healing from this crowd, though? The hearing loss. Look at the end of the passage, verse 37. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. He's done everything well. And the people were amazed. In fact, back in Matthew's account again in chapter 15, it says, So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled, healthy, the lame, walking, and the blind, seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. So, check this out. You got Gentiles worshiping, praising, glorifying God, in essence, because of what they've seen, what they're seeing taking place with this man. I mean, the people that have seen this ministry, they are literally blown away. Because, why? It says he does everything perfectly which being God in the flesh makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, like, you know, the creation, Genesis 131, the Lord was there, Jesus was there, and it said, and God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. It was right. And it says here, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So again, I take you back to Isaiah, so you see another prophecy. We were talking about this in our men's shepherd group meeting, folks, this past week, that uh, we're talking about our doctrine of the Bible and our statement of faith. And one of the ways that you know the Bible is true is because, not because it's 85 to 90% accurate on prophecies, it's 100% accurate on prophecies. And the only explanation is that it's God who's in it. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 35. Predating, again, previewing what's going to happen in the future. He says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Talking about the first coming of Messiah. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So Isaiah 35 describes a messianic age with a double meaning and that Messiah not only will come to heal physically, but more importantly, to heal spiritually. And when it says he does everything well, that can be translated as beautiful, excellent. We'd expect nothing else. It's really true. There's a song that goes, in his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his name and his time. We don't see that, though. We don't like that sometimes, God's timing in all that he does, do we? I'll be honest, I don't. I struggle with God's timing, his providence. But he's God, and his time is the right time. This year, for instance, I had surgery for the first time in my life. It was an outpatient thing. I had, I had a, uh, a growth removed from my upper back near my shoulder here. I lost my, my hump. And it, uh, and, it <laughs> and it made me think, you know, being cut open with a knife doesn't sound beautiful, does it? Doesn't sound good. Who wants to do that? But that little surgery, that cut, was done for the good of my health and life long term. It was a life future thing that needed to take place now so I'd be okay in the future. And that's a beautiful thing. God always knows what he's doing, and he does everything well, whatever it may be, right? Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things together for good. That includes addictions, cancer, COVID. God works all things together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That's why that's the favorite verse of so many people, myself included, in the Bible. I think it's the singularly greatest promise in all scripture, especially if you live in a fallen, sin-cursed world. It means if you're with Christ, it's a conditional promise. If you are in Christ, this will work out in the long run for your good. Flip side is if you're not in Christ, not so good. Problems. God does all things well, like Job put it, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You know, there are times the Lord allows things to happen that we don't like at the time. It's true. But if we really know him, what he intends, he wills, he purposes for our ultimate good and his glory because he does everything well, and we're more than conquerors. So that's a help. I hope that some of you that are struggling right now, which I know some of you may be, with the providence of God. The providence of God just means it's the circumstances, the outworking of his sovereign will and purposes. It's how he gets done what he gets done, which is mysterious to us. Always has been, always will be. But if you know your God, you know, like it just was said about Jesus, he does everything well. So as I close, I just have to ask you today, do you have your ears and eyes open to Jesus Christ. That's what we sang in that last song. If you have your ears and eyes open to Christ, then is your mouth open? Is your tongue working well enough so you can preach the gospel to others? Take five to give five, right? Talked about that this summer. It's a great commission command from the Lord to all of us. Are your ears open to the truth? If not... You need to come to Christ. I'm telling you right now, if you've been in the church for a long time and you still don't get this and you don't see a change in your life, it may be, unfortunately, up to this time that you don't know Christ. Because the Bible says the natural things are not discerned, easily understood because, to the natural man because they're spiritually understood. You need to have a new heart. You need to be reborn to get down deep what that says. If you're not born again, this is just words on a page. It's a book, right? It's just another book. If you're in Christ, this is a love letter that gives life. Big difference. So I would call you to come to Christ today. Because that's the way today for the Lord to open ears and eyes and then mouths to worship him. Also for the elect to show and share Christ with others. In fact, I pray this all the time when I go to the Word in the morning. By the way, in my time alone together with God, I go to Psalm one nineteen, largest chapter in the Bible, the biggest Psalm. Guess why? Because it's about the Bible. And there are great verses in there to pray Scripture, like Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Ask the Lord's help when you go to the Word in the morning. Ask Him to help you, Lord. Open my eyes. Open my ears. He continues in verse 27. Make me understand the way of your precepts. A precept is a law or a commandment. And I will meditate on your wondrous works. He goes on to say, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not the selfish gain. This is big. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Oh. Or from Ephesians 1, Have the eyes of my heart enlightened that I would know what is the hope to which you have called me. Can you pray like that? Should you pray like that? All right, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that makes it come alive in our hearts and to share with others. If anyone in this room up until this moment, Lord, has not understood, has not heard, they were spiritually dead, deaf, and blind, may this be the moment you are opening their ears and their eyes to see you for who you are, the Lord Jesus, the one who came and paid a price, the price, the penalty for their sin, if they would just turn to you and trust in Jesus alone, by faith alone, because of your grace alone. I pray that will happen for someone today, Lord, someone listening later. And Lord, for those that are in Christ, many of us here in this room, let's ask each and every day that you would open our ears and eyes to your truth and then encourage us, give us courage, enable us to preach it to others, Lord, to share the gospel. There is no greater time than the end of 2021 going into 2022 with all that's going on around us, Lord. People need the Lord more than ever. Use us, Lord, to preach your word, all of us, for faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. We pray these things and all God's people said, amen. Christ Community Church is a God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, and Bible-centered body of believers who love God and love people by making disciples of Jesus Christ. For more information on us and to learn how to give towards our media ministry, please go to our website at www.christcomchurch.org. That's Christcomchurchcom.org. And look for the Giving tab at the top of the home page.